But you turn to Romans chapter 3, but there's a verse in Psalms um, 64 and 7 that says, But God shall shoot at them with an arrow, suddenly they shall be wounded. And just keep that in mind. God shall shoot at them with an arrow, and suddenly they shall be wounded. And Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatsoever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, listen to this, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all of them that believe, for there is no difference. Now listen to this, friend. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God has set forth to be appropriation of, through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Um, no just struggle this week on uh, finding something to land on, but... All week I kept coming to that last verse I read. How can God be just and justify saving sinners and forgiving of sins? There are scriptures in in the Old Testament that declare that He will in no wise spare the guilty. We know that God is holy. Uh, we, We think of our holiness, the Apostle Paul is speaking to mainly Jews here in the first part of this chapter. He had been declaring to them, and they had asked him that, 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 that the Jews are, uh, is there anything significant to being a Jew? And he said, yes, in every way. Unto the Jews were committed the oracles of God. You've had the opportunity. If I were talking to you today that have been in church all your life, I might say to you, you have an advantage over those who have never grown up in church. You have an advantage uh, over them. But, but you, like them, are guilty before God. Uh, and and, uh, and we need to realize this. We were talking the other day with somebody, and, and maybe it was on Wednesday night here, and, and, and said that, made the statement that I don't know that, uh, that, uh, that God has not changed, but there doesn't seem to be a conviction of God like there was years ago. Uh, and, and part of that fault is 
probably your pastor and part of that fault is probably the churches that they pastored. Uh, but I'm, I, I want you to understand today that, uh, that it seems like it's harder uh, for men to feel the weight of their sins. Uh, and maybe we've coddled a generation too much uh, and bragged on how good they are too much. Uh, I thought about this this morning. That, that, that handkerchief looks kind of white. It looks really white sitting right here. But, uh, but if it were to snow tonight or tomorrow and I were to lay that thing on the ground and that new fallen snow, uh, you would quickly see that's not really white at all. Uh, and so that's how our righteousness is. We, we think we're okay and we think we're good and, and we think we're as good as the next one, but, uh, but the law is the straight edge and when you lay your life up next to the straight edge of the law, it should show you how sinful that you really are. Uh, when you put your righteousness uh, on the fallen white snow, uh, when you put your holiness uh, uh, next to the holiness of an almighty God, uh, then you will see how filthy that you truly are. And so what this psalmist said uh, that I read was that God will shoot an arrow. And my prayer is today that, uh, that God would draw back His mighty bow and loose an arrow from those strings. Uh, and that arrow would lodge into the heart of one who knows himself or herself to be sinners. Uh, uh, Brother Ronnie made a statement that he was carefree. Uh, I've seen some of you come in carefree. Uh, and I've seen you leave troubled. Now let me just say this right here in park on that thought uh, just for a minute. Uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with being carefree in God's house. Uh, and I can see there's nothing wrong with parents bringing uh, toys and that to, uh, to occupy your children. But let me be perfectly clear. Uh, when the time comes uh, and they realize they're lost, uh, uh, children, the time of playing in the house of God is over. It's over. I mean, you need to get down to business. And I'm not trying to scold you or fuss on you. What Paul is telling you today, that every man that's ever lived has been found guilty before God. I was talking to a man this week, and he said he told his son one time, you are, you are capable and above average intelligence. And so you know if you've never been saved, then you are lost before God. The problem is today... People don't seem to feel conviction. I'm glad that when I was lost, I'm glad that I was carefree for a time. I was talking to somebody the other day, and I said, we're all sinners. We come forth from the womb, born and conceived in sin and shapen in iniquity. But you know when that becomes guilt, when you come guilty before God, what does that? It's when the law of God enters into the heart of man. It's when God lifts forth that arrow from his quiver and it drives into your heart. Now that's what happened to me one night. I didn't really have many cares, how many thoughts. But one night there was an arrow sent from the man of God and it lodged right into my heart. And I knew immediately in that moment that things had changed now, that I could never go back to not being lost. I had to remain in that condition. 
or seek God while he may be found. Thanks be unto God, our conviction used to be so very real. The trouble used to be so very powerful. The condemnation, I felt like I was the worst sinner that had ever lived and I was just a boy. Hadn't done a whole lot of what the world would consider sin, but that law that night was driven into my heart. What did Paul say? He said we were under the law. Uh, he said in another place, I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Uh, what did he mean by that? Uh, there was never a time Paul was without the law. He was raised a Pharisee. He knew the law inside and out. Uh, but it had never entered into his heart. Never entered into his heart until it finally did. And he said the commandment came. And when the law entered into his heart, it said sin revived. Now the law, what you see on the board with those ten commandments, there's no grace there. All it does is condemn. Everybody in this building has broken the law of God. So if God is going to be just, it would be easy for God to just send everybody to hell and that would allow him to be holy and just. It would be easy for God to forgive everybody, but that wouldn't satisfy his justice. You mark her down. When Adam sinned against God, he broke the one law that God had said not to do. And since that time, that death has entered into the world. Sin entered into the world rather than death by sin. And so death has passed upon all men, for all have sinned. He knew right quickly that because he had broken God's law, that God was a just God. And because he is a just God, sin has to be punished. Uh, you go to Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, you watch as God rains fire and brimstone down from heaven. Uh, you ask those men and women. Uh, you ask them, uh, is God a just God? Does God have to punish sin? Yes, sir. He must punish sin. Uh, you asked, we talked in Sunday school this morning about Moses and about the Hebrew children and when they crafted uh, and Aaron crafted that calf of gold uh, and they made to themselves another God. Uh, you asked those Hebrews, does God punish sin? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, Moses came down from the mountain and uh, broke the tables of stone uh, and he ground them into powder and uh, ground their gods into powder and uh, made them to drink uh, and then he told his sergeant, he said, unsheath your sword and go and kill everybody who stands against us. Sin must be punished. Now look at the cities of Tyre and Sidon. Now look at Nineveh. Now look at all the pagan lands in the days of the Old Testament. Sin must be punished. Don't fool yourself today. America will fall under judgment. Sin must be punished. Why must sin be punished? Because our God is a holy God. And so your sins today, He is going to have to be dealt with. Now what Paul said here, he said what he was getting at was those in the Old Testament. He said God never, God never winked at sin. But what God did in the Old Testament, He passed over that sin. It was a, it was a bit of an IOU, if you want to speak of it in our kind of terminology today. They were looking forward. Their sins were passed over. But 2,000 years ago uh, just outside of Jerusalem on a hill called Calvary uh, that IOU uh, now reached paid in full. Amen. 
Those sins of the past. That's what Paul said. There was the sins of the past. But what Paul is getting at is God paid for that sin. Now let me ask you this today. Uh, God is going to demand justice. Uh, so every sin is going to have to be counted for. Every sin is going to have to be punished. It's either going to be punished with you. It's either going to be punished in you. Uh, you're either going to stand before God in your guilt and your condemnation and your sin-covered flesh and you're going to give an account to an almighty God. Uh, or sin can be punished through His Son at the cross of Calvary. And that's what I thought about this week. Uh, that sin once punished uh, can never be punished again. Uh, that the judgment only falls one time. And so I thought about this. Uh, if judgment would come and justice would come and declare you guilty before God then you might say if God be just Go ask the people in the days of Noah if their sins didn't bring down the judgment of God. Go ask those men and women as they were drowning in the great doles as the floodwaters began to come up and the fountains of the deeps were broken up and the rain began to pour from the heavens above. Ask them, does God not judge sin? There's going to come a day, dear friend, that one more time the wrath of God will be poured out upon planet earth. He set a bow in the clouds, declaring by that rainbow that men have taken that very image of the covenant promise of God and turned it into filth of Sodom and Gomorrah. But look at that rainbow. God said, by that you shall know. You know, every time you see a rainbow in the sky uh, on our side, uh, we look at that and say, boy, that's beautiful. Uh, on God's side, you know what he sees? I made a covenant with man. That's what he sees. Have you asked those that were drowning, does God not punish sin? Uh, there's coming a day, dear friend, uh, that everything that you see and touch, everything that you hold dear, this entire world is going to burn one day. And it's going to burn because the holiness of God. It's going to burn because of the judgment of God. So you might say, what can I do? If God is going to punish sin, then I have no chance. It was said last week that our lost and this broke my heart has already decided and already having doubts that He'll not save me because others have went and He's not saved them. Now let me be honest with you. You cling on to that. What Jesus said, He said, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And so the next time the devil says, all you have to do is say, the Bible says, him that cometh, him that lets you. That's you. So what do you do? You have no hope. In your sins you don't. There is no hope. How can God be just? If my sins have, 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 have created a separation between me and God, and God must punish sin, then how in the world? Paul gives you the answer. The way that God can be just the way that God can punish sin. He said, now apart from the law, God has showed His righteousness through Jesus Christ. That has nothing to do with the law. That's separate from the law. Apart from the law. You know what Moses did with that law? Uh, the second time, uh, after he broke the first tables, the second time he put that into an Ark of the Covenant. Inside of that Ark of the Covenant, uh, it, uh, uh, it, it, it went before the Hebrews everywhere they went. It was the sign of the glory and the power of God. But inside of that Ark of the Covenant was the law. The very thing that they had broke 
the very thing that caused God's displeasure, the very thing that they broke, that God was going to destroy them because they broke His law. And they were put into that Ark of the Covenant along with the manna that He fed them in the wilderness because they doubted God. And one more thing was Aaron's rod that budded because they had rebelled against the authority of God. All of those were convinced of what was really inside the Ark. It was a condemnation. It was a conviction. It was showing the Hebrews they were all guilty before God. And on top of that ark uh, were two cherubims that represented the glory of God. And between those two cherubims was a place called the mercy seat. If you look up that word in Romans 3, propitiation, it said Jesus Christ is the propitiation of our sins. That word can be translated mercy seed. And you know what happened on that mercy seed? The high priest went in with the blood. And because that they had broken God's law, God demanded a sacrifice. He demanded an atonement. And the only way to get that atonement was by the blood of an innocent lamb that had to be sprinkled upon that. And the blood... I ran down the law, the blood covered the law, and the blood made an atonement for their soul. But you couldn't see that. That was done behind the holy curtain. You couldn't see that. But what happened 2,000 years ago on Golgotha's hill, when the blood of Jesus Christ was shed, it covered the law of God. He is the mercy seat. He is the atonement. The old, the, uh, the, the, the New Testament uh, uh, speaks of the blood of Christ. Why doesn't it just say the death of Christ? That's what it means. But it talks about the blood. It mentions the blood. Uh, Paul mentions the blood. Uh, that you who were guilty and standing afar off are now made nigh by the blood of Christ. And justice, remember, that God is going to be just. How can God be just? I've sinned. How can He admit this sinner uh, like me and like you in the heaven? How can he say to you in that day, enter in, that good and faithful servant? How can he clear? Because remember, he already declared he will in no wise clear the guilty. So there's only one thing that had to be done. The very, the very law of God that was broken by man, as somebody, by some man, I must fulfill that. And so he sent his son. In the likeness of sinful flesh, yet without sin. We talked about it a few Wednesday nights ago. I don't understand. I don't think we fully understand how when the Son of God had disrobed Himself of His glory and said, Father, I'll go. Sin must be punished. This was declared and the plan was in motion before Adam was ever made. When the world was not yet born. When man was not yet created. The plan of salvation was already in place. And, and, so, and so the justice of God must be satisfied. God is just and God is holy. But when His Son, when His Son disrobed Himself of all of His glory and took upon Himself not the form of an angel, now that would have been a condescending suit. But He went far lower than that. He clothed Himself with the flesh of man. In order that man that broke the law, man might have a representative before God. 
And so he lived and he healed and he saved and he preached and everything he did brought him under the judgment of mankind. But beyond that, every step he made in his life led him one step closer to Calvary. You get to reading about his final days. You get to reading about his final hours. And he began to pray and to tell his apostles and to tell even his enemies. He said, Father, he said, let this cup pass from me. You begin to read what he said. And he told his closest allies. He told his closest friends, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. He said, but for this cause, what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause I came. He came with a purpose and He came with a cause. He came as far as Isaiah could see in the 53rd chapter. It said, He shall see the travail of His soul and be satisfied. Now remember, the judgment and the justice of God must be satisfied. It has to be satisfied. A sin has to be punished. And the only punishment, the wages of sin is death. So sin is punished with death. So what does that mean for us? My sin is punishable by death. Because I broke that law, I deserve to die. I am a guilty sinner. You are a guilty sinner standing before a holy God. So how can a just God admit a guilty sinner to live with Him forever? Well, justice was satisfied 2,000 years ago. You can take justice down the street. You can have Mr. Justice look. You can have him look as every lash from Jew and Gentile, Herod to Pilate to Capheus, they all pass judgment upon your Lord. They all pass judgment. But the greatest judgment was not the judgment of Pilate or Herod or Caiaphas. The greatest judgment wasn't Jew or Gentile. What does the Scripture say? It said it pleased the Father to bruise him. And the greatest justice and the greatest judgment that he withstood wasn't the lashes, but they were horrible. Now look at justice. I show justice. I point justice to, the, to that, uh, that judgment hall where they spit upon Jesus and buffeted him and crowned him with thorns and robed him with purple. And instead of a scepter, they gave him a reed and they made fun of him and they bowed down. You take justice out of the street and you you can show him uh, tied up to a whipping post and with every lash they laid upon uh, drawing deep long furrows out of his quivering back and that quivering back was laid open time after time uh, but it wasn't the lash of the Jew it wasn't the lash of the Gentile you read what Zechariah said he said that God himself uh, said unsheathed uh, awake he said awake O my sword and go and smite my shepherd the man who is my fellow among men. It was the judgment of the righteous Father. It was the judgment of God that he withstood. It was the judgment of God so severe as they drove spikes in the hands and in the feet of our Lord and raised him up between the heaven and the earth. It was his blood that began to spill down that cross and began to stain the ground a crimson red. But it wasn't Jew or Gentile. It wasn't any of those that were around the cross. In that moment, the reason why he cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was because the justice of God had to be satisfied. Amen. And the only way 
that the holy justice of an holy God can be satisfied is through the substitute, the propitiation. Innocent blood must be spilled. And there was only one that had innocent blood. There was only one. And His name was Jesus. And He is the eternal Son of the living God. And He left heaven to come down among men. He left it all. He left His glory. He left His power. He left it. And He was the supreme creator of the universe. Now come down among men. And was slain. Not by men. Men did not kill Him. You can't kill the Son of God. Man did not kill Him. It was the life and the wrath of the Father that smote His Son. And His Son willingly gave up the ghost. And He died so that you can live. It's the only way that God can be just and the justified because in his eyes and in the judgment of God and the justice of God has been satisfied 2,000 years ago apart from works of the law. I mentioned last week that we still try to get saved by works of the law. And I'm not necessarily talking about obeying those commandments. We still try to drum up in our mind ways that we can be saved. And I tried my best to preach to you last Sunday that there's only one requirement that God makes. Faith and repentance. Everything else is something that man has put upon you and not from God Himself. But because you are guilty, you must repent. You must believe. Otherwise, your sins, you're storing up against yourself, wrath against the day of wrath. If you stand before God guilty, what does Paul mean when he says justified? And justified is simply a legal term, meaning legally you're not guilty. So now God can be just. He has punished sin, but the sin of the saved has been punished 2,000 years ago. The sin of the saved, uh, when it comes to the uh, when it comes to the soul, uh, my sins were judged, and judgment cannot fall twice. If it fell on him, that means I am free and clear. Justified. Justified. What does that mean? It means I've been found not guilty. It means another has took my place. It means just like Barabbas was should have been executed. They came and got Barabbas and said, Barabbas, you're free to go. A man by the name of Jesus is taking your place. I am Barabbas and you are Barabbas. A man by the name of Jesus took our place. It should have been us. He should have condemned, could have condemned. And in the holiness of God, he would have been absolutely justified in condemning every man who's ever lived from the time of Adam to the time of the end. He would have been perfectly justified in sending every last one to hell. That awaits people who die lost. It was testified earlier about how good heaven's going to be. I know it is. We sang songs about these trials will be over. And they will. And we've sang songs this morning about being reunited. I can't imagine. I've not lived a pain-free life in a lot of years. Life shouldn't be pain-free. It's not supposed to be pain-free. It's not pain-free because men have sinned before a holy God. But there is coming a day 
that according to the word of God which I believe and which I put my hope and my trust in because one night I fell down before God as nothing but a guilty sinner I had nothing to bring to him I couldn't bring that law to him and say I've kept this from my youth up I realized I was guilty God condemned me conviction set in my soul so I fell down before a merciful God a broken hearted sinner with absolutely nothing to offer with absolutely nothing to give I just fell down and fell into his mercy and he saved me that day and because of that when I lay this life down and that time comes I'm satisfied that I will go however it is but I will be at peace the scriptures declare that angels will carry the saved carry that soul and cross that cross that chilly death but you know what it says about those who die lost those that have not the blood covering those that die in that lost condition guilty before God you read what Isaiah said it says that hell itself rises up to meet you at the day of your coming you think about that hell itself I think it says hell from beneath actually I think it's in chapter 5 of Isaiah, somewhere in the early chapter. Hell from beneath will rise up to meet you at your coming. Sin must be punished. It's either going to be punished in you or it's punished in Him. One of the two. But it will not be winked at. A holy God cannot allow sin. You ask everybody who's ever died. You ask those in hell. I, I told you to ask Noah's people and Sodom and Gomorrah and people of Moses. You ask those in hell fire. You ask that rich man, is sin punished? 100% absolutely. Yes, sir. No way around But God can be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. It's really your only hope. The world don't agree with that today. They'll tell you there's many ways to be saved. Many roads to heaven. If that's the case, then Jesus Christ is an absolute liar. Because He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man cometh but by Me. He is your only hope. Fall down before Him as a guilty, hell-bound, hell-bent sinner. Cast yourself wholly upon Him. And He will save you. He can be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. That's my message. May God bless you as our prayer.